and welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hey guys, Buddy C, welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. Today we have Amy and Kate and Marla and Craig. Welcome everyone. Welcome. How is everyone today? And we, I know we were going to talk about our next story. I think it's the man of Tao, but instead I wanted to talk about acceptance and see if we can apply some tools. We had a really good conversation last week about acceptance and I would like for us to, uh, I emailed every, or messaged everyone that, uh, participates and, said if they had something that they were having difficulty accepting, we'll just go around the room, talk about those things and see what tools we have that we can apply. Because the story last week was really all about accepting things exactly as they are. And it was very, very powerful. And I would like to see if we can't glean a little more from from acceptance. I have some things that I was studying about acceptance I want to run by y'all too. So metamorphosis was the story and it was all about accepting everything as it is and using gratitude to get there and providence that everything's as it should be. And that even the man that's hanged his ropes and bonds are not stronger than providence. Nature will eventually take him too. They're not stronger. And that there's no reason to be discouraged. And I know from last week's conversation, I know Marla, you mentioned in passing that you think you're, uh, that you're underemployed and that that was a concern and we didn't talk about it in depth. And I thought, you know, we should have done a better job of helping Marla with some tools there that we didn't do. And then, well, Craig's got me listening to the podcast. After we record it, I go back and listen after I get it up. And I'm actually, Craig, I have to admit, I uh, I get a lot out of that. So thank you for that suggestion. It was difficult for me to listen to myself at first, but uh, I eventually got used to it. And I get something out of it every week when I listen to it again. Isn't your accent thick? Oh, God, it's awful. Just kidding. It's awful accent. You know, I would, uh, if I could change it, I would. I tried, actually, and couldn't do it and gave up. It's okay. We, the only we time that it was helpful, Marla, is when I, I had a sales job uh, right out of high school that I traveled. It was helpful with northern and midwestern women. Uh, they like to wa- hear me talk, so I... I poured it on a little thicker at those times when I could put it to use. <laughs> but uh, that's the only time that I've ever been happy with my accent. I've just realized why my wife jumps into some of the sponsee meetings quite often now. Is that what it is? Because <laughs> she wants to oh. hear him speak. <laughs> I thought we would go around and just talk about if we've got situations that we've had difficulty accepting and see what tools we can apply that we have because we get so many tools in recovery about acceptance and acceptance is such a major part of recovery. I think we have some things that we could use there and that along with studying the Tao, the Tao is all about acceptance too. Uh, it's about accepting everything as it is, just like this metamorphosis story was. So I, I think that that would be a good place to start. So Marla, we want to start with you, or do we want to start with someone else and come to you later? How do, how do we want to do this? I'll let you guys in on what was going on in my head. and It's you know long and complex, but um, I have to work now. Uh, I'm divorcing, and so I, I have to – I've been I've had the luxury of not having to work, and I t- don't have great my, – my one skill right now is teaching yoga, which is not a lot going on right now with that. So um, what I'm qualified for is, is a caregiver at the moment. So I, I, I wrote up a bio on care.com and I immediately got a hit. 
And which is, I think, lucky. I'm not sure. Um, but I mean, I immediately got a hit. But my feelings about working this type of job have a lot to do with my ego in, you know, in, in my education, how much I've had. Um, is this menial labor? It's minimum wage labor. Um, a lot of, but those are feelings of inadequacy that are coming out in me. They're not feelings of empowerment whatsoever. So this week I've been stepping back and using the two, one of the tools of gratitude. I think um, I, I lucked out with a really good family and they allow me to come and go um, and kind of loosey goosey and make my own hours and, um, they're easy to, they pay, they're easy to communicate with, they pay me under the table. That has given me some gratitude. Um, and so I'm, I'm kind of, which is leading to acceptance, of course, that maybe what I'm doing is in service to others, you know, rather than being so angry with myself for not being able to make any money. And that not that money thing is tied up with the ego, with the attachment to my value is only so much of, is only how much I make. That's how much I'm valued. Um, definitely there's, there's ego tied up in that. Um, yeah. So, so it gets painful to, 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 to almost take a job that I feel is, I don't say beneath me, but, so easy to do, you know, I guess it's not challenging. There's no stress, which is great. But um, I, I'm just, just like 10 minutes ago, I was looking at my attachment to, to the money part and to my ego and to um, why do I need to prove myself? I'm working, you know, that's what I'm doing, what I have to do to survive which is what most people do, right? I no longer, unfortunately, have luxury of being a housewife, which is fine. It'll lead to hopefully another road to happiness, which is me stepping up back and looking at the bigger picture and accepting that there's going to be some kind of happiness out there, but another kind of heartache in there as well. So, um. The acceptance part, it's, you know, slow because there's a lot of uh, shit about the way I feel about myself, which is my ego. Let me ask the group something before we tackle that specifically. I, I had a, maybe, maybe we should step back for just a second. Now the, you know, the serenity prayer that God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. If it's something that we can't change, what is the steps that we're supposed to be taking? And those steps versus, versus the steps that we take when it's something we can change. You know, what's the difference there? Like if it's something that you cannot absolutely cannot change, what, how, how do you accept that? What, what are the things that you do to, to make that happen? What, uh, I, I start with a gratitude, finding a, a, a glimpse of what's good about this situation. Well, there's so much good about it. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's something, my, gratitude is something I use too. Yeah. Um, which, that t- turns me around to leading to acceptance for me. And, yeah. And then you hit something else too. Uh, y'all just jump in whenever y'all want to. Uh, that leads me to something else too, Marla, that you really talked about. I have learned that the quicker I can ask myself why I'm feeling this way, because you, you hit that because you talked about that. The quicker I can say, okay, why do I feel angry or why do I feel disturbed about this situation, whatever the emotion is that I'm feeling, why am I feeling that? And then drill down to see, you know, what is it? Why do I keep 
feeling this way mm-hmm. and what is it that I'm afraid of or what is it I, I'm afraid I'm not going to get or what am I going to lose, you know, and get down to what's underneath why I feel that way. Um, then that's part of the accepting for me. Um, right. I, I've been, that, that's one of the gifts of recovery is being able to look at that, being conscious that, um, being conscious about that. Hey, Paul. Hey, Paul. I, good to have you, sir. Hi, Paul. Hey, guys. I'm just mainly going to be listening today. But. Okay. Good to have you. So, as I, oh, go oh, ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I think one of the things that um, helps me is being able to, like, look at it from a broad perspective. Like, if I picture myself as, like, a little human walking around on the planet, you know, how important is it in the huge scheme of things, like, what job I'm actually doing? Because I had, you know, when I, I went to school for science, I worked in my science jobs. I really liked it. And then I got injured and I can't work. I can't do the physical job that I was supposed to anymore. And that I had the same kind of feelings like, oh, I can't do these jobs. I'm not like prestigious anymore. The type of person I am, like I got my identity was so wrapped up in those, that job as who I was, you know, what was your title, Kate? What were you? I was, um, I was just a biologist, but you know, it was, it was, it was my identity, you know, Right. I had to identify with myself, like, actually, you know, I'm a human being on this earth and my worth comes from that rather than my job title. You know what I mean? Yeah, I used to have a lot of identity with owning a number of rental houses. I thought that was super important. And my rental houses were off limits. And uh, I eventually had to sell those at that time. Um, and it really did hurt my self-esteem when that happened. But that was part of my surrender process. Amy, you have something? Yeah, yeah. So, um, So part of this whole you just said process. Part of this whole process for me is, is changing the words that I use. Um, Marla, when you were describing your situation, um, I heard you say, I have to work. I have to work now. And so for me, if I can change that word have to get, then just, and it doesn't feel right. And that, of course I have all the other feelings that go along with it, but you know, I get to do this today. Um, I get to do this and just making a conscious effort to change the word, just one word in those sentences really helps me to take on a different kind of attitude towards the whole thing. And you also, somebody mentioned the serenity prayer. Well, there's a, there's a full long version of that serenity prayer. We only get to say part of it, but immediately after what we're all used to saying all the time is the wisdom to know the difference living one day at a time enjoying one moment at a time, accepting, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. So for me, I have to keep going with that serenity prayer to, uh, you know, a lot of times because yes, the, the parts that we all know and say all the time are wonderful and they work in, in most situations, but it's getting to that accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, understanding that whatever I'm going through at this moment may not feel good it may seem icky. I may not like it. It may not be ideal based on those ideals that I've come up with along the way in life because of other people saying to me what was right and wrong and okay and not okay and acceptable and not acceptable. I have these these preconceived ideals, right, that I need to measure up to and some kind of false sense of of the person that I should be when I'm when what happens for me when I start trying to be that is I'm actually limiting what can happen in my life and the, it, and stealing from the joy that I can experience in this hardship as a pathway to peace. Anyway, that's what I got for you. Let, let me ask you, Amy, what is the difference between our actions when it's something we can't change and something we can I'm thinking there's really not, 
I, I don't know if there's really any difference in what our actions are when you think about it. What they are or what they should be. <laughs> well, I'm, that, what they should be, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What, yeah. what our correct action is. Because it's never push. If it's something that we can change, do we not step out of the way and allow it to change just like we would do if it's something we can't change? Yeah. It's the same, I think it's the same action regardless of which and Absolutely. It is what it is. Yeah. Regardless of what it is, it is. Regardless. Our effort is the same. Yes. Is, is to accept it the way it is, find gratitude. And either way, it's looking for someone to help. I mean, it's looking. My situations in life now, I know it's hard to believe, but I'm in my way more than I make things happen. And things just unfold and happen without my push anymore. And I, whether it's something I can change or something I can't change, it's like, okay, if I can't change it, I'm not the one changing it. If I can change it, I'm not the one making the change anyway. I don't know if that makes sense, but I just realized that today. Effortless effort, right? Yes. yes. And I'll, I'll go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It, it just is amazing to me as I'm starting to understand these, those principles of the Tao and, and really starting to get into it. The effortless effort is, <laughs> and it sounds kind of crazy coming out of my mouth, but man, does it take a lot less effort to be effortless? <laughs> well, and, and it's, and it's not that we don't work, but it's work without selfish effort involved without selfishness. That's what's diminishing. And when we move and act without selfishness, it allows us uh, to be in this flow of life that is so much easier than what it used to be. I went through the Tao Te Ching and I know you guys have the link that you can pull it up on your web browser. Well, what I do is I, I pull up the web browser and I hit control left for find and I'll hit work and other words and I'll just read all the different places in all four of those translations that have those particular words. And so I'll do that some. And I found several uh, references that were good with this. Um, if you want to possess something, you must first give it up entirely. That's the 36th chapter, 36 verse. And, you know, that reminds me of what is it in the uh, how it works that we have to let go. Absolutely. The master acts without doing anything and teaches without saying anything. Things arise and she lets them come. Things disappear and she lets them go. She has, but doesn't possess, acts, but doesn't expect. When her work is done, she forgets it. That is why it lasts forever. That's from the second verse. How about this one? Are you able to do nothing? Giving birth and nourishing? Giving birth is doing something. Nourishing is doing something. But it's without your personal push and strive to make it happen, you know. Bearing yet not possessing. Working yet not taking credit. Leading yet not dominating. This is primal virtue or this is the day. This is, uh, uh, that's the 10th verse. Or this one from 40. Weakness is how the Tao works. And then 41 says the greatest strength looks like weakness. That's that same idea that, you know, Paul's thorn in the flesh, the weaker I get, the stronger I become. And that we learn from surrender, from, uh, from recovery that, uh, we have to give it away to keep it. You know, all of those paradoxes that we learn. Amy? I was just going to say paradoxes, all of them. Yes, it is. It is. It's all paradoxical in. It takes going back to that effortless effort. Um, so much less energy. Um, I find that I expel because I don't. I don't have to fix and manipulate and control and 
um, it's, it's tough though. You know, I mean, I spent years, spent years doing all of that. Um, I spent years of, of feeling like I was going around life having to do things. You know, there's that word. I had to do this. I had to do that. I had to work. I had to pay the bills. And, and going back to what I said a minute ago, I get to, you know, it's so, there are no coincidences, right? None whatsoever. It's so interesting that, that Marla is talking about feeling underemployed. Um, and I have um, been, Carrying, trying not to, but carrying around a, a sort of resentment because I haven't gotten a raise this year. You know, when every time I start feeling that resentment, I get back into gratitude. And and there are some days where I don't want to do my job as efficiently and as productively as I should be and can be because I deserve more money. But Marla, you said it so beautifully. My ego is so tied up into the dollar amount of the paycheck, you know, and, and what is it really? What is it really? I would rather have the satisfaction. My mom told us, uh, me and my sisters growing up that, you know, if you enjoy the work that you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And that never really made sense to me. And I'm like, what do you mean? You have to make, you know, the more money, the no. And, and so when I get spun up in my head about not getting the raise that I think I deserve, um, and I feel myself not working as efficiently as I could or productively as I can, then, oh, remember what your mama said. <laughs> remember, you know, how can I be of maximum service today to God to my of my understanding to my fellows and that includes the people I work with and if that means doing my job to the best of my ability even though I don't have all the zeros attached to that paycheck that I think should be there then when I lay my head down tonight to go to sleep I feel satisfied and it's certainly taken a lot less energy than being focused on what I don't have and what's not happening because I think I need to be in control. No, I love that. I'm going to use, I get to work. I'm change, going to change that dialogue in my head. That I get to do this. And I'm still healthy and strong. And I can do it. There's a lot you just uh, gave me, by the way, Amy. Thank you. That's good. Thank you, Amy. Page 62, 63 in the big book. This is the how and why of it, first of all. Very first thing, we got to quit playing God. <laughs> it didn't work. That gummit. Uh, next, we decided that hereafter in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. He's the principal. We're his agents. He's the father. We're the children. Most good ideas are simple, and this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant arts through which we passed to freedom. Doesn't sound like freedom to make quit playing God, but it is. Um, when we sincerely took a such a position, this is where I want to get to, Marla. All sorts of remarkable things followed. Now it followed us stop playing God. It didn't happen. Then we quit playing God. We stopped playing God. Then then these things started happening. We had a new employer. Being all powerful, he provided what we needed if we cut close to him or performed his work well. And it just goes on from there. But the idea is that we we think it's the job that's paying us. And we might be getting a check from that job. But that job is not our employer in reality. We have a new employer. Um, Craig? Do you know, I was, I was just going to say that. we uh, when, I, when I started the, the job that I'm in, it was... 20 years ago in January, I started in this job and it was a job. I, I took the job because I just, I just became on, I made myself unemployed um, from a job that I hated, absolutely hated it. So I took, this other, I took this other job just as a job until I could find another one to go to because I had a young family. I was needing the pennies. So I just had to take the first job that came along. And it's always been a case of, you know what, this is a job until I find another one. And I started off on the minimum wage. I started on I was scraping the barrel and 
I could see how much money the sales guys were, were making. So that kind of gave me a bit of drive just to try and improve myself a little bit. It wasn't a case of, um, it wasn't a case of, it, in fact, to start with, it was a case of how can I make more money? How, how can I put more money in my pocket? And then it very, it very quickly became a case of, do you know what? I'm overqualified for doing the job that I'm doing. The job that I'm doing, I'm coming in, I'm doing absolutely everything I need to do. I'm excelling at it. You know, what's next? What's next? So then it became, uh, then it became a case of self improvement, self growth, and finding out, you know, where where within the business I could I could really fit. Um, so then I, I kind of got another job within the business and I started getting commissioned. So the money started going up, and then the personal growth started going up, and then I, I kind of fell into management as well. So I'm now 17 years later. I'm still got this mindset, you know, it's, it's just a job until I find another job. But I got up every single day and I love doing it. I went through a period about three or four years ago where I was uh, facing redundancy and I had this massive crisis and Buddy was involved in it and Omar was involved in it as well. I actually had Omar on the phone. Um, I was in a, was in a counselling, I was in a counselling meeting uh, with two of the managers and they were talking about my redundancy, but they came up with a, a package that gave me the opportunity that I could stay with the business. And I just I really didn't know what to do because I was kind of torn between the fact that if I leave the business, who am I going to be? It was the exact, the exact same identity crisis as I did when I stopped drinking. When I stopped drinking, who am I going to be? What am I going to do in my life? Because this is such a massive, massive part of my life. And it was the exact same as when I got faced with um, redundancy from the business. Um and I had Omar on the phone as well from, from Costa Rica, and he's getting involved in this meeting. And it's just basically a case of, look, Craig, if you stay with this job, it's going to give you the opportunity to fall in love with what you were doing again. I'd built up this big resentment because the, as far as I could see, the business was now wanting rid of me because they, were, they, they had to make cuts. And one of the areas was the job that I was doing. So I kind of had this grudge, this resentment going against my work. And it came up in my fourth step as well. Like I, I, you know, I hate this because these people have done this to me. This business, and it wasn't the fact that, you know, I'm getting angry at a business. I'm getting angry at a non-entity. I'm getting angry at something that doesn't make any decisions at all. I should be angry at the people that are making the decisions. But all I could see was this business no longer wants me that I've worked my, my fingers to the bone, blood, sweat, and tears for 17 years building up. I've made a lot of money. I've lost quite a bit of money in, 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 the, in the shares. But that's always been by the by. It's always been something that I do. And until I was faced with the prospect of not waking up and being able to do it again, I kind of, I, I really felt lost and I felt abandoned. And how I got through that was connecting with people, connecting with, and being honest with people, being able to sit down. Because at this point, I was just starting to work with Buddy. I was working with Omar in the mastermind community as well. And I was just I was, I was just putting everything out there. And I was being vulnerable and saying, listen, this is where I am. And it wasn't until people t- said, look, Craig, you're not your job. You can go to any business you want and you can still apply yourself to that job. And it doesn't matter who's putting the money in your pocket. And it wasn't until I was sitting down really thinking about it hard. And I, I, took, I, I took the opportunity to stay and um, I had a review about a year and a bit ago. That's that, that. That's about as much as people can do sitting down having a review with me, and because they really can't stand me to be honest with you, I'm a bit much. So they said to me, "says like, where do you see yourself in the next five years?" And I was like, "Well, I'm probably going to be doing the exact same thing as I'm doing right now, but I'm going to still be doing it to the best of my ability. And the reason I'm still going to be doing this is because this is where God's got me. If I was to be doing another job, I would be doing it." If I was to be doing another job, then I wouldn't have had that opportunity to stay with the business. I wouldn't have had the opportunity to grow in the business and I wouldn't have had the opportunity to fall in love with the business again. If I wasn't supposed to be here, then I wouldn't be here. And I've just been guided. I've just been following these little nudges just to say, listen, this is this is where I should be. So for myself, accepting the fact that I'm supposed to be here, I'm supposed to be doing this. And if, if it wasn't for this, then it would be something else. But... I'd be doing it to the best of my ability and I would, I would love getting up every every morning and being able to do it. Uh, I think Amy Amy hit it right in the head. It's just, just the fact that, you know, I can do it. I'm actually privileged to do the job that I'm doing. The job that I do is one of the most sought-after jobs in the business. I've helped to develop the job, so I've kind of been involved in the inception process with it. And there's only three other ones of us in the business who were selected to do this. 
and the three of us are really privileged to be able to do what we do because we now appreciate the fact that, you know what, the business does recognize us. The business has recognized us for the fact of what we do, but we don't see it. All we see are these people that are just kind of making these decisions, but, you know, it's, it's, it's maybe the business is saying, like, you know, it's maybe, start, start, it's maybe time to start recognizing these people for what they do. And getting up in the morning now, it's never a case of, oh, do you know what, I have to go to work. I'm always up, I'm organized, and I'm ready to go. I'm one of these people that genuinely does enjoy the job. Um, the people that I work with, they're another, they're another thing. They're something that I have to pray for every single, every single interaction. That's that's a completely different thing, but you know, it's, it's all part of the package. Um, I'm there to be able to help people as well. I used to have this really bad attitude with people. If anybody phoned me up, I was like, "What do you want? What What are you going to do? that's going to ruin my day?" You know, and that's the case of like, "Yeah, hi, Craig speaking. How How can I help you today?" And everybody's like. Right, stop being so sarcastic. You know, I'm like, no, no, genuinely, how can I help you today? You know, this this is where I'm, you know, the, the whole attitude's changed because I realise that I'm supposed to be there. And if I'm not supposed to be there, do you know what? It's not going to be the end of the world. Yeah, I'm still going to have my health. I'm still going to have my wealth. I'm, I'm still going to have my family. That's the main things. Whoever's paying the job, you know, it's true. I'm not employed by a company. God employs me and he, he puts me exactly where I'm supposed to be with the people that I'm supposed to be with. Thank you, Craig. That's good. Paul, you got something, sir? Uh, yeah, I jumped in late, so I'm not sure exactly what the topic was to start with. If it has to do with jobs, I guess. Job acceptance, jobs, okay. uh, how, how we deal with situations that are unacceptable. How do we get, get rid of that disturbance that comes about? Okay, well, I'll just, I'll just share my experience, since it sounds like that's what everybody else was doing. Um, I had I had the usual menial jobs uh, in high school and college just to you know just to help uh, pay the college expenses and so forth. But I did get involved with the college radio station, which um, I had a real passion for radio, and I thought I was going to make that my life's career. Um, in high school, I also took a lot of accounting courses. Uh, my dad was in accounting. He wasn't a private accountant, but he worked for a city. He was the accountant for the city. And uh, he, I think he really was kind of pushing me that direction. Um, and I was, I actually was pretty good at the accounting classes, but it, it just, I didn't feel passionate about it. Um, I, I knew I could make a lot of money if I stuck with it, but the money has never driven me. Um, and so that's one of the reasons I got into radio. Uh, I think Buddy might have a little experience with radio, and, and you probably know that uh, a career in radio is not a very high-paying one unless you're lucky or unless you're a Howard Stern or something like that. But those are one in a million stories. Most people in radio are just barely getting by. And so I did that. I graduated from college and I started working in a radio station, a small town radio station. I was making probably about $13,000 a year, which even back then was not a lot of money. This is back in the late 80s, early 90s. And then uh, the station was sold after about three years. And so I was out of work. And um, I applied to some other radio stations. I didn't hear anything right away. So uh, I started running out of money and I had to get another job. And I thought, well, I'll go back to that accounting uh, thing that I had going. And so I actually went into, uh, there was a convenience store that had a management program and I had worked at a convenience store. That was one of my menial jobs during college. So I, uh, decided to go into that management program. Well, I went through the whole program. It was about two, two, three week program. And, uh, once I got out, they had, they had you, you know, shadow the manager at a store. Well, I did that for a week and I absolutely hated it. I just, after one week, I knew that this was not for me. So I said, goodbye. I'm, I'm leaving. Uh, so basically I pretty much threw all that training and stuff out the window. And I said, I got, I really didn't give radio that, that much of a shot. So again, I started uh, applying for radio jobs. Well, in the meantime, there was a job uh, uh, for a company called Record Research that publishes books based on the Billboard music charts. And I was a big fan of those books. I was a customer. That was kind of a hobby of mine was to follow the songs uh, up and down the charts, listen to American Top 40 every week. I did that ever since I was like eight years old. So this was really just a hobby. And I thought there's no way I could possibly make a living with this, all this musical trivia that was in my head after all those years. And of course I'd been in radio, so I, I loved music and all that. 
So I thought, well, what have I got to lose? I'll just write to them and see if they happen to be hiring. Well, it turns out that they happen to be hiring. And I heard back uh, from the uh, people there and I went over for an interview and I thought I did a really good job. I thought I'd fit in really well with the company, very small company, only about 10 employees at the time. And um, it just happened to be they were looking for for a person uh, to, to work on the books, to do a lot of the work with the books. And I had no experience working on books. I didn't know what was all involved with that. But I knew that I loved music and I was passionate about the charts. And they could see that, I think, on my interview. Well, then I didn't hear anything for about a month. It turns out that the, the big boss had a house in Florida. This is in Wisconsin where I went about six hours from where I lived uh, to go interview for the job. So anyway, uh, I finally heard back from them. And I've been here since March of 1992. So I've been at the same job now for 28 years. And it really is my dream job. I can't think of anything else I'd like to do, including radio. I thought radio was my dream job. But here it turns out that this job uh, is my dream job. And it's one that a lot of people would like to have. I hear from music fans and our customers all the time because I was a customer. And I thought, God, it'd be so fun to work on those books. And here I am. Uh, 28 years later and uh, I didn't have I didn't have Amy talked about her mom well I, I got that same quote from a college professor he said uh, find something you love to do and you'll never work another day in your life and that has been true for me I have not worked a day including radio I haven't worked a day in over 30 years so um, and unlike Craig I'm just I can't wait to get to work in the morning in fact I get here very early in the morning because I just can't wait to get here so um, yeah my advice to anybody is find something you love. And I'm not, I could be making so much more money as an accountant, tell you the truth. I'm not getting rich here at this job at all, but it's not about the money. It never was about the money. Uh, don't tell that to my boss, but um, I, I, I get enough to pay the bills and to put a little bit away and to, you know, to have a few hobbies that I can spend my money on, but you know, I'll never be rich and I, I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm, I'm rich in other ways. So that's my experience. And Marla, I hope that, you know, you can find something like that that speaks to you that way. I, I wish I wish everybody could could be in that situation. Paul, you've got some experience there that's very important. You know, and this is the thing, whether we understand there's a flow of life or not, or we whatever tags we put on it, it's happening for all of us if we if we just pay attention. You know, like you were talking about, you went and worked a job that you didn't like. You could have stayed there and been unhappy, but you paid attention to that. And you you went with things that um, that were natural abilities for you and hobbies and skills that you had. It's interesting how that started. I, I, I remember riding by a house that was vacant when I was 10, 11 years old. In the back of my mother's red B210 station wagon, seeing the vacant house and saying to myself, someone should take that house and fix it up and sell it. When I was, that's when the idea of real estate was, was that I understood I had that within me. And you, you realize your deal very young too, it looks like. So. I think a lot of times we have this seed that's already there. If we just pay attention to what's in our heart, you know? Um, and for me, it's about whatever job I'm doing to do that job to the best of my ability with all the love and care that I can, uh, no matter the amount of money I'm making and just be available. And if I'm available, the opportunities come along because, um, I think that's how that works for me. Um, and I found too, buddy, that if you love what you're doing, all the rest of that stuff will flow naturally. You'll do, you'll yeah. want to do a good job. Absolutely. And I, I always still remember the, the whole, this, the Buddhist concept about just like you were just saying, buddy, even if you're a, you know, a, a, a floor sweeper, You'd be the best fucking floor sweeper you can be. And that brings integrity and satisfaction and fulfillment. and It brings success. Marla. success. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're a floor sweeper. 
just do your damn best. And that's where I'm trying to get to because I'm a phony Buddhist, but I'm, I really would like to be a real one. Are we all? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to have that attitude of I am going to do the best job. That is a great book title, Marla. I'm a phony Buddhist. That would be it. <laughs> <laughs> I think when you when, when we really look at it, we, what we really want to be doing is working a sixth step on a on, on our jobs. Yeah, you know, am I now am I now willing to do it? Am I willing to do the hard work? Am I do, am I willing to do this job to the best of my ability without putting any barriers up? Because um, I usually find the one thing that makes the one thing that ruins my job is me. Because well, I you kind know, of, hey, Greg, what to tools? Yeah, what tools do you? Do you ask Craig when, like, when you, uh, what tools do you use when you're, uh, when you're in a place that you're disturbed about something with your job? Do you use gratitude? Do you, what do you do to get right sized with that? Well, one of the tools I use is a measuring tape, and I use that to measure the size of the room. But that's that's a severe joke. Yeah. Okay. Amy got it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the, the tools that I use is basically. I'm surprised Paul never mentioned it. Gratitude, gratitude for the fact that I still I still have this job. Gratitude to the fact that I was I was given the second opportunity to actually do this. I was given the I was given a chance that a lot of people weren't given because a lot of people did end up getting made redundant, and it's a shame to see that quality of people go. The, the people that do my job, um. These are kind of like long-serving people that, that have been in the business, that a lot of experience. Um, and you, you do need to be experienced to do what I do. Um, so, so, yeah, gratitude comes into it quite a lot. More particularly the fact that when people are, are now phoning me, because, I, you know, I, I, I do make a joke about this, this quite a bit, that, you know, I, I do try to help people in, in their day. But I'm grateful for the fact that, they, that they're now comfortable coming to me, whereas two, three years ago, they were not comfortable because of my attitude towards everybody. Um, I had a this massive grudge against anybody that phoned because, again, I felt the business was trying to get rid of me. But now I'm grateful for the fact that, that, they, that they can see the difference in me. And they, all know, they all know that I work a program. They all, they, all know my, they all know my history with alcohol. They know, they know exactly where I am. I've made no secrets of it whatsoever. I, I, I can't hide something like that from the people that I work with purely because of the, the, the change in my, in my demeanor. So I'm just grateful for the fact that these people can actually phone me up and ask me for my advice and, you know, can you, you've been around quite a bit. What do you make of this? You know, what would you do in this situation? So, um, you know, I really am grateful for the fact that, that people trust me. Uh, that's, that's been a massive thing. Um, and, and they know, they know that I have just the genuine interest of, of them in the business at, at heart. At the end of the day, if, if, if the business isn't there, then we all need to find another job to do. And, you know, the, yeah, yeah, financially there will be an impact in it, but gratitude is a massive thing. Gratitude okay. and, intolerance, tolerance, I have to practice tolerance. I say the serenity prayer quite a lot on a daily basis with some of the people. And one of my, one of my main prayers is um, God, give me patience. Cause if you give me, if you give me strength, I'm going to need bail money to go with it as well. Um, but yeah, no, just uh, gratitude is the biggest thing. I can't pick on anything else specific, more specific than that. And, it, and it's actually Paul that taught me like, a lot of that as well. Cause he's like, Do you know what? Without gratitude, you know, there's not much else that you can. There's not much else that you can be happy with. You have to be grateful for absolutely everything that comes into your life. So, Paul, thank you very much for that. You've, you've been a massive. You've been a massive inspiration. Well, I, I found it's it's very hard to stay in a negative mind frame when you start your day with gratitude. It just it's just the way it works. How about just smiling at something? That helps get me in the right frame of mind when I'm aggravated just smile when nobody can see me you know you know I hate that you know but it changes my whole attitude you know it changes my attitude when I smile how about when I I use the affirmation of that I would not change this situation even if I could like if it's a situation I find unacceptable, I would not change whatever this is that I find unacceptable, even if I could. Isn't it true that even if we could change the situation to what we think it should be, that we're still going to find something unacceptable about that yeah. situation too? Because we want to change it. Yep. The problem isn't the situation. The problem is that we're not willing to accept it. 
(laughs) that we want to change. It's the problem. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, Amy. That's why both sides of that serenity prayer, the things I can change and the things I can't, are the same side. Our actions are the same. It's us surrendering to the situation. The other thing for me, if I'm in a situation like that, if I'm disturbed or unhappy with it, it's me saying, you know, I'm really unhappy with this. I accept that I'm unhappy. (laughs) Not that I deny it. Not that I resist it. First thing I've got to do is just accept it and say, okay, you know, I am unhappy with this. Why am I unhappy with this? Thank you, Father, for this situation. Thank you for what's making me unhappy. (laughs) You know? Well, I'm really grateful that I'm able to step back and look at my behavior and look at my. That causes you to step back, Marla, is just saying that causes me to take a step back and look at it a little a little more effective, you know? And yeah, I I love noticing why or I'm trying to understand why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. It it always inevitably goes to fear, as you have pointed out so many times. But yeah, it goes to fear of not having enough. So And then I can flip the gratitude again because I always end up having enough. Because I, I can always look and say, yeah, it's always worked out. Why do I not think this time exactly. that it's not going to work out like it's supposed to, you know? I've always been taking care. And I've told you that the universe is always taking care of me. Yes. So all of a sudden, after all these years, the universe <laughs> is going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's just that simple, but so in my head, it is so complicated, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like we get in our own way. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's a whole, it's like, get I, I, out of here. <laughs> I think that's why that fifth step is so important that we tell somebody what's going on in our life. Because as long as I keep it in my head, it has so much power. But when I get it out, it takes all the power out of it because it's just those fear-driven thoughts that are making this so huge that when I say it, then I'm like, wait a minute, it's not all of what I'm thinking, you know? Yeah, that's good. And then I, I remember, and I've got a thing on my calendar every day that comes up, the, the saying, uh, thanks for everything. I have no complaint whatsoever. Have y'all heard that story? Have you heard that one, Amy? Okay, I'm going to really quick. I want to read it to you. This is from uh, Stephen Mitchell, uh, his version of Tao Te Ching. This is his story that goes along with the 51st chapter. 150 years ago, there lived a woman named Sono, whose devotion and purity of heart were respected far and wide. One day, a fellow Buddhist, having made a long trip to see her, asked, What can I do to put my heart at rest? She said, every morning and every evening, and whenever anything happens to you, keep on saying, thanks for everything. I have no complaint whatsoever. No matter what's going on, anytime he's disturbed, he's supposed to say, thanks for everything. I have no complaint whatsoever. The man did as he was instructed for a whole year but his heart was still not at peace. He returned to Sono crestfallen. He said, I've, uh, I've said your prayer over and over, yet nothing in my life has changed. I'm still the same selfish person as before. What should I do now? Sono immediately said, thanks for everything. I have no complaint whatsoever. On hearing these words, the man was able to open his spiritual eye and return home with a great joy. In other words, you know, it's not about him, you know, it's, it's, uh, everything is as it should be and we just can't see it already. There's nothing to change. Nothing to change. It's just our attitude toward what's there that has to change. That's what this whole deal is about. Is about changing us, in my thinking. That's why thanks for everything. I have no complaint because it's about getting me right-sized about what's going on. That's why both sides of that serenity prayer, our actions are identical. 
they're exactly the same because it's never up to us to fix or change anything. It's up to us to surrender and, and watch it happen and quit kicking and screaming while it's happening and just enjoy it. Oh, that's good. Comments, guys? Anything? We, did, we, we didn't get anyone else's situations. Anybody got anything really quick or is everyone good or? I had something, but it's small. I mean, what we talk about with Marlo's applies to it. I, I certainly am coming away feeling a lot better. Although, yeah, I've been, I've been metamorphosing into feeling better, but I feel even better now that I get to work instead of I have to. Yeah, you know, and, and you could thank, you know, you can thank the universe, God, whatever name you want to put on this, this power that takes care of all of us that's ever expanding and growing and nourishing us to thank you for just whatever's going on because it's exactly what we need in the moment paul hey marla can i ask can i ask what your job is i'm a caregiver oh okay i'm working with an alzheimer's somebody with alzheimer's oh wow that that sounds very rewarding actually well it's interesting it's (laughs) interesting i'm making it interesting because i'm trying to keep her busy so I'm trying to find things to do to keep her busy. But I mean, talk about helping somebody. Yeah. Right. How can I be of maximum service? I hope, I hope if I get Alzheimer's one day that I have someone as lovely as you to take care of me. That's so kind. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I really appreciate it. I I really am turning out and turning into really liking this woman a lot. So taking care. So what a beautiful opportunity to build a relationship. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, I was just going to say that one of the people I'm following at the moment is Robin Sharma. And he always says that when you're in difficult situations, the first thing you should ask yourself is what's the opportunity here? Yeah. Teachable moment. Yeah. This is definitely a teachable and it, it's teaching me what I don't want to, what I'm, I'm looking at things I don't like about myself. So. Wow. The mirror again. Yeah, it's good, but it's good. It's growth. Yes. That's all. Just growth. Gratitude. Be sober. Thanks for everything. Thanks for everything. I have no complaints whatsoever. Yes. Anything else, guys, before we close? Are y'all everyone good? No, thank you, everyone. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.